Ready for another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering? Good. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 51, proudly hosted by North Central Indiana's Rock 98.5. Tonight's episode is brought to you by BreakTheForth.com, a Blue HQ media venture featuring the latest on music, TV, and comics. And we are also being sponsored tonight by Small Giant Designs, a uniquely creative, all-in-one design and marketing agency offering print, web, video, and marketing. Visit smallgiantdesigns.com to get started. On tonight's episode, we will choose our favorite songs with a featured <clears throat> guest, review Pearl Jam's A Gigaton, and Nine Inch Nails' Ghosts 5 and 6. I'm your host, Foggy, and with me, as always, Teabags. Swinging deep into the valleys of Liptonia. That's nasty. Able to plunge from high altitudes, only to land with a gentle splat. That's nasty. Receiving only the finest education from his instructor, Earl Grey. It's... It's... Teabags. Too hot for TV. Hey, how's everybody doing? Not too shabby, pal. And not with us this evening is Metalhead Mundy. He's had a family emergency that he is taking care of brilliantly. But in his place tonight is Uber Pearl Jam fan, Joe Rife. Hey, hey. What's going on, Mr. Rife? Hey, not much. It's good to be with you tonight. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> Joe, when did you first hear Pearl Jam? Um, I first heard Pearl Jam when I was about um, 14. My first album was Vitology, and my uncle had two Pearl Jam records in his CD collection. It would have been 10 and verses at that point. Um, and I, I, I'll never forget this. I mowed the grass for my aunt while my um, – during the summer and she said i'll buy you a cd and cds were about 10 bucks at that point or 15 something like that so for some reason i picked out vitology and i didn't get it i <laughs> stuck with it you know it's it's kind of a it's a it's a rough first record to get to know pearl jam on um compared to the first two i would say and uh that was kind of my entry into them uh into their music and it took until I think yield was the one that really took hold for me in 98. And it was a, one of those albums for your time, like a time in your life. So that was the senior senior year of high school for me, plus that album. And then I went back and heard Vitology and I went, Oh my gosh, this is, this is fantastic. So it's been about 25 years of Pearl Jam. I, I came in just a little bit late, but um, it's been a, it's been a pretty rocking two and a half decades. So, so, Okay, so for I, I I don't want to totally speak for Tony, but you know, ten is probably a top three, top five album of all time for me. Um, when did you finally connect with ten? Probably, let's see. It, it probably went in reverse order from Vitology. I probably connected a little bit more with Verses, and then got into ten and really dug into some of the more melodic stuff, um, like Black, like Even Flow, um, some of the some of the radio tracks mm -hmm. and then dug a little deeper into that. So it was probably, it all kind of happened at the same time. It was just that Vitology just didn't 
just didn't move me. I just couldn't understand. I was thrown off. <laughs> there was oh. better man, but there was uh, Satan's bed too. So I was like, what is this? What, what is this band doing? So it's so interesting that you became an Uber fan in that order. Um, just because most people who are not where you are now kind of see the records as 10 is, is the pinnacle and then versus then Vitology and then kind of everything else kind of flows together. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. Totally unique perspective. So can't wait to <laughs> dig into that later. Yeah. Right on. T-Bags, did you have a good week? Cause uh, nine inch nails released some new goodies. Yeah, of course. I always love when that happens. And um, just real quick back to that. Uh, I won't give it, I won't give it away right now, but this is kind of all foreshadowing my challenge later. So, mm-hmm. And Joe didn't even know, but this is, you, when you hear the challenge, you'll understand what I'm, okay. what I'm saying. But yeah, the week's been good. Um, lots of work like usual. And like I said last week, I'm grateful for that work. But um, I'm also grateful for some downtime and being with you guys. So let's talk music. <laughs> yeah, Sweet. Sure. That is a great lead in to tonight's <laughs> challenge because this, for me, became a deep dive uh, back into the past and thinking about <clears throat> times when my favorite artists would go ahead and play with somebody else or they would sing on somebody else's track. Um, and it was actually introduced by Metalhead last week. And the challenge was to come up with your top three songs that featured somebody else singing on another groups or playing with another group or drumming on whatever it might be. Um, but they were featured on another group's record. And so um, there were so many <laughs> songs to come up with. And uh, before we jump in, I want to go ahead and read Mundy's. Uh, okay. We'll get his out of the way. So that way, if we have any, we can quickly switch to something else. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> his first one, oddly enough, was uh, also one of my first ones, but I talked myself out of it because he picked Helmet and House of Pain, Just Another Victim from the judgment night soundtrack Ooh, judgment night oh so many good songs on there <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> i talked myself out of it because it felt like two bands coming together rather than featuring but it's so good i don't care um, yeah <laughs> and he loved it <laughs> because he said it felt like two songs first half was helmet um second half's house of pain it, with the sampling of the helmet riff very cool and i agreed with him i love it i assume you guys probably dig that as well yeah um that whole um judgment night album was was based on that concept right where you had a rap group and a and a heavy uh you know because pearl jam and cypress hill were featured on that as well um Mm -hmm. so that whole album was based around that i don't remember the rest of the tracks off the top of my head but um it was a great day lost soul one. i remember that yes and i do remember this helmet one though yeah that was uh tony I loved it. Are you talking about Judgment Track, Judgment Night? Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and like, like I said, I mean, I cheat on every challenge anyway. But putting <laughs> two bands together is totally my totally game. So. <laughs> well, I, then I switched and did that. So <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, that was such a great record at the time because some of those could flop when you start throwing things like that together. But there were more right. hits than misses, I think. Uh, did that have Onyx and Biohazard too? Yes, Was it that... did. Oh yeah, that's the one, man. that track. The Teenage that. Fan Club. Uh-huh. So good. And and if I'm 
not mistaken, the whole premise of the movie is these guys are do they they go into a bad part of town in like an RV or something like that? Am I thinking of the right movie or? Who cares? It gave us that record. <laughs> <laughs> See, the music was outstanding, but the movie had Emilio Estevez. It did, yeah. Correct. Okay, so we got that part down. So yeah. All right. Okay, I'll never watch that movie again, but I will I, definitely listen to that soundtrack. I think I've seen it once. <laughs> you know awesome. what's funny? I know we're stuck on the soundtrack right now, but back in the day when they did it, I'm sure they just had to come to the same studio or relatively like bounce tracks somehow but Mm -hmm. it would be so easy to do that these days with technology and we don't see that happen very often that's true yeah bring that trend back that's it we're gonna write a movie and we're gonna invite all of our best friend musicians to come perform sounds like we don't need to even write a movie really we just maybe (laughs) base it on a premise Oh, we can still get Emilio Estevez. Probably. <laughs> I'm sure he'll work for cheap. You might be able to get days. Charlie Sheen at this point. <laughs> <laughs> His number, number two choice was Danzig, Twist of Kane, featuring James Hetfield. Um, I guess he appeared on two songs on this record. And he can clearly be heard in the choruses. And um, he really loved those two songs. His third choice was Kill Switch Engage. The Signal Fire featuring Howard Jones. I think we talked about this one. Yep. Oh, he said, we covered this on the show. Kill Switch is a band I love. Jones is a former singer, but he remains friends with the band. To hear him return and sing together with Jesse Leach, it just makes me so happy. I smile every time I hear this song. <laughs> yeah, and we gave that uh, very positive reviews, too. We all like that album a lot. All right. Nice job, Monday. You, I guess he should have had a couple of good choices since it was his challenge (laughs) okay you're the newbie mister so we're gonna let you kick it off what is your well you can start at the top or you can start at the bottom and work your way up however you want to do it oh boy well i'm gonna throw one out there and again we we kind of talked off uh before the show about the whole featuring thing And, and you're right this is kind of like the 1984 NBA draft. It's like, Oh my gosh, there's so much good collaborative stuff out there. Where do you even begin? So if this doesn't follow the rules, I'm sorry, I'm a guest. So be nice. But I went with uh, queen and David Bowie and under pressure. Yeah. That's a great choice. Actually put it as my number three and you'll see why in a minute. Um, And, and I had an honorable mention David Bowie too, because I love it as a trivia question. Let's dance, which features Stevie Ray Vaughan on guitar. Yes. And a lot of people don't realize that. So it's kind of a cool, like uh, bar game, you know, parlor trick, like, Oh, guess who's playing this? And they rack their brain and you, it's Stevie Ray Vaughan. And they go, Oh, I can hear it now. Cause it's totally his guitar mm-hmm. playing and tone and everything. So that would be my number three choice. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, um, you didn't break the rules at all. That was Good. exactly what we were looking Excellent. for. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Tea bags. Okay. Um, my number three, uh, it was more in the fact that it was a cool collaboration than it was anything, you know, ultra dynamic or anything like that, but past the mission by Tori Amos with Trent Reznor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just that subtle knowing that these artists were kind of running in the same circles and that he kind of, low voice underneath everything was on there so that's cool i think a lot of these happen because they're maybe their bands had been at a a concert together or 
they'd met in some way and then they said, Hey, you know what? Let's do something later. And then eventually schedules work out and they do something. Yeah. So, totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number three does not really click with that, but Hey, <clears throat> my number three was Ray Davies and Billy Corgan doing all day and all of the night and destroyer. Um, great kink stuff. It was on the uh, 2010 friends album. Uh, but what I really like about this, um, Billy kind of, he could have a way of, of taking over his voice. You know, he's whiny. He's got all that, you know, thing going for him. So I could see where he would dominate, but he really plays well here. And Ray Davies gets to sing his parts. Um, even as it, you know, he's a lot older, still sounds great. Billy comes in and does a nice job. Um, it's a great collaboration. Um, classic great songs mm-hmm. that's cool i'm not familiar with that one so i'll have to check it out yeah well we'll put our list together and then we can all check those out when we're finished yeah nice all right mr rife number two number two uh, i'm going to show my age a little bit this is an iconic uh featuring it's uh warren g and nate dog yes Regulate. <laughs> regulators i <laughs> i cannot i mean okay so everybody knows that whole thing, the regulators mount up deal. But I love, first of all, I love Warren G's rap style mm-hmm. and I love Nate Dogg's voice. Uh, the yeah. dude had the smoothest voice ever. And there's just something about juxtaposing those two guys on top of one another, the storytelling in it, um, going back and forth. And, and um, I don't know, it, it just something about it uh, makes it, it made my list. There we go. So. No, I agree. I mean, I feel like that's like sometimes they come together, it's just cool, and sometimes they come together and it's almost perfect. And that feels like that's like almost perfect. Great choice. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, I love that one. My number one is going to feature another act just just prior to that, and um, but that was another one that really got me back in. Um, right. So good. So great choice. Mm. Right on. Right on, tea bag. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, there's something cool about this one. I'll tell you what it is. But um, Bottom by Tool featuring Henry Rollins. Mm-hmm. And um, one, I was such a fanboy. I still love Henry Rollins, but I was mm-hmm. yeah, the guy that would, I think I left, I might have left, um, I can't remember who it was, some some group that you would kick me for leaving, but uh, so that I could go <laughs> try to get Rollins' autograph at a bus. So, um, but the cool thing is that there's a lot of footage out there of Tool recording the Under Two album. It's been circulating for years, but um, they show Rollins in the studio recording these tracks, and it was pretty cool just to see them all together. But I, I think Rollins screaming and his like his eerie talking voice, <laughs> and then Maynard coming back in on top of that was perfect. I remember when you got that picture, but I can't remember who the group was. What picture? Oh, didn't you get a picture? Okay. Like you went to one of his shows. Didn't you get a picture with him? Yeah, I went to. Yeah, I can't remember. I went to so many of those shows <laughs> back in the day. But they were always with like really good group. Like Ice Cube had a group, and it was uh, it was them and and Rollins. I think you know what? I think I actually left the Beastie Boys to go get Ooh, Rollins autograph. That's kind of sad. That's a bill, though. That's quite a bill. Yeah, it is. Uh, so anyway. Do you remember where that was that you, you, what venue that was? 
I don't. I think it was Indianapolis, but I'm not sure exactly where. Yeah, I say we've all been outside the Murat waiting for the, uh, <laughs> the tour bus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not many people would do that for these days. I just want to get my car and get home. Yeah, for real. <laughs> there still are a few. Stevie, what's your number two? Great choice. Um, my number two. I knew I was going to put Corey Taylor in here somewhere because he does so many spots with other bands and i think he even did one with uh henry which would have been funny if we both would have chosen that but um okay i did go through a few he did a great song with soulfly jump the fuck up um which goes right along with what you do at the concert um and he did another one called i'm not jesus with apocalyptica which was really good but i settled on zach wild he did um obviously you know ozzy's guitarist and um uh, Black Label Society and all that. You know, he does a lot of good stuff, but he's got two solo albums. And then the second one, he's got a song called Sleeping Dogs. And uh, Corey Taylor sings the second verse, and then he comes in and does a lot of backing vocals towards the end. And uh, I, I don't know if you've heard, I'm sure you've heard Zach sing. He's really good. Very bluesy, kind of rough. The two of them really mesh well together. And uh, Sleeping Dogs is a great uh, combination of the two it's a great song nice good choice yeah excellent choice so, all right that brings us to our number ones the pressure is on mr rife well um <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me throw in an aside here real quick i know we're uh you're fine uh, uh, i i um this was a, a, a kind of an honorable mention down the list and again not knowing the rules did anybody think about uh, Fat Boy Slim and Christopher Walken for uh, Weapon of Choice? I know that that's kind of a visual uh, as well as a song, but as I was coming through my list, I, I had to type that in there because I thought, well, hell, that's a collaboration right there featuring. And the, <laughs> the, the great thing about that is I'll play that in class sometimes, like on, you know, Fun Video Friday or whatever. And I'll be like, hey, check this out. You know, so some of the kids know Christopher Walken. They don't know the song, but they they appreciate his dance moves. Are you familiar with that video guys? You know the one I'm talking about? Uh -huh. Yeah. I, I don't know that I am, but I'm going to watch uh, it now. You are in for a <laughs> yeah. treat then. All right. So anyway, <laughs> on my, on to my number one and keeping with the theme and the reason why I'm here, um, I'm going to go with uh, Pearl Jam featuring Neil Young on an, um, a CD that they put out called um, Merkin Ball. Yes. Uh -huh. That's good. Which, one. which created uh, top 10, I think, top 10 Pearl Jam song, Long Road, uh, live favorite, and then a, a great backside to it, I Got It or I Got Shit. Um, yes. Another great live song and kind of a deep cut. So, And the reason that I chose this one especially is because, um, not just because of the great music, because then Pearl Jam lent their talents to <clears throat> Neil on Mirrorball, his album. Um, and then they did some collabs on the MTV Music Awards in 93, I think, where they did Rockin' in the Free World together. Um, but I think Neil pulled them out of a really bad time or at least set them on some solid ground um, for the rest of their career. And I think the things that came after um, were really aided by the fact that, that Uncle Neil was there for him. And so I had to had to throw that in there to stay with the theme. And uh, I think it's a solid number one. I'll stand by it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. I, I totally that. remember that record. And I honestly think uh, Tony and I went to uh, Pearl Jam in the 90s and I, I don't know what the year was but I think we listened to that record on the way and it was 
the at the concert was the night that Bill Clinton told us that he didn't have sexual relations with that woman. They stopped the concert and showed him yeah. on the screen. <laughs> August seventeenth, nineteen ninety eight, and they played uh, Better Man after that, I believe. <laughs> and yeah, so we were there. That was uh, that was cool. That was a good record, and it was a great show. They're always great yeah. concert for sure. Yeah, amazing. Uh-huh. Great choice. Yeah, like it. All right, tea bags. Um, before I get to my number one, a couple of things. One, Steve, I've noticed that you're cheating in a good way. You're making your honorable mentions part of your talk. Like, well, I was going to choose this, but I didn't. So you're saying it. <laughs> you and, get extra uh, choices that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I Tony have, just I, chooses 20. So at I, least I'm being <laughs> sneaky. <laughs> I, I have honorable mentions for later. But, uh, but also, when you're talking about that Christopher Walken thing, um, Fiona Apple, she has a song called Not About Love. And Zach Galifianakis is <laughs> he dances and and uh, lip syncs in that video. Oh my gosh! And it's fantastic. So, yeah, you have to check that out. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so my number one, and it's a song that's on heavy rotation still to this day. I probably play it at least once a week. But "Passenger" by Deftones, featuring Maynard James Keenan, mm-hmm. and I just remember being I wasn't. I liked Deftones, but I was never a huge, huge fan. Um, and I still listen to him. They put something out, I'll listen to him. But when I heard Maynard come, Maynard come in on that, how smooth everything was, and and then that driving beat uh, just solidified it for me. It's such a good song. Are you guys familiar with it? No, but I'm not surprised that uh, Nine Inch Nails or Tool entered into every one of your choices. <laughs> I tried to go through and get... <laughs> Hit those, yeah. <laughs> I I intentionally didn't pick Rush, so you know. Well, okay, all right, yeah. Well, then who did you pick for your number one? Oh, you know who I picked. It's because Rush didn't collaborate with anybody. That's why, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that Steve picked Kermit somewhere <laughs> over the rainbow with the other. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Good night, folks. <laughs> um you are correct about rush though they said if they can't play a song with three people they won't do it so yeah three they didn't collaborate which is smart because i played in bar bands with three people and while the money is harder to divide three ways it's more than if you had four <laughs> guys in the band so <laughs> Good uh, okay so what i chose kind of an interesting story actually the original song came out in 88 another band took it 91 and then asked the original band to come back and be featured on said song uh, uh, bring the noise yeah. public enemy and anthrax oh nice yeah yeah public enemy is one of my all-time favorites That's and amazing. uh jeremy's number one favorite band is anthrax um and it is such a good song i love it uh i love public enemy Still to this day, Chuck D couldn't be any more true to his roots. Um, he just fired Flavor Flav recently. <laughs> Are you ready for this comment? I, I just saw this the other day and it cracked me up. Flavor chooses to dance for his money and not do benevolent work like this. And that's why he fired him from the band. Fair enough. Okay. And I think Chuck D could not be more metal, right? That's pretty metal. Uh-huh. So... That was a great, I think, I don't know. I kind of think the original is better, Bring the Noise, but there is a little aspect of those drums that makes the Anthrax version pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going with uh, Walk This Way by Run DMC and Aerosmith. 
I hate you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and everybody thought that was the coolest thing ever at the time. Yeah, sure. Um, can I throw my honorable mentions in real quick? No. We did that during the <laughs> list. So. I know. I should have <laughs> Oh, look, the new guy's even putting you in check. <laughs> oh, boom. <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> yeah, what you got? That's okay. I have really good photographs for this show, so we'll see what happens with your photo. After. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> um, hit him up with Tupac featuring the Outlaws. Nice. Um, know Your Enemy by Rage Against the Machine featuring Maynard. Mm-hmm. And then really good one that's not just a song, but an entire album <clears throat> is Pros and Cons of Hitchhiking by Roger Waters with Eric Clapton on guitar. Ooh. Super good. So, okay. That's it. You know, I almost looked at two. How many times does Eminem have an amazing singer come in and do the chorus? You're not kidding. So many examples of that. Could have have you heard that new Coffin song that he's featured on? Uh, I don't think so. Man, her, I can't remember what her name is, but her voice is incredible. So check that out after this show. Will do. Yep. Excellent. Now, that brings us to next week's challenge. And T-Bags has the challenge. So what is it, my friend? Okay. So this is what I was alluding to as far as the foreshadowing. Three songs <laughs> that you have a memory to. That I mean, it's like really solid and you almost can't think of anything else. When you hear that song, it takes you right back to that spot. And it can be any any memory. It could be a breakup, a first kiss, a, you know, hanging out with your friends, whatever. Okay. Joe, you are welcome to come back next week and play along. Outstanding. Because you have been issued the yeah. challenge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's those things. Like when he was talking about mowing the lawn and listening, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. uh, I, there's just sometimes the memory is, you know, just, it's just the first time you hear it and you get blown away by something. Or sometimes it's just, You've heard it a thousand times, but now you're in a different situation, a different place in your life. So, mm-hmm. very good, good great. challenge. That's awesome. It, it really sucks though, because one of mine is definitely going to be Rush, and I was going to go on this Rush moratorium for a while. <laughs> I really was, but now you blew it. So I keep pulling you back in. <laughs> no, excellent challenge. And to that, I say challenge accepted. Okay, everybody, let's get to the meat of the program. Um, gosh, it's been, has it been two weeks now since Pearl Jam released Gigaton? Almost two weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, it's time to talk about it. And who better to get us started with a little introduction of the album than Mr. Joe Reif? Uh, that's why I'm here. I'll do my best. Um, I, I don't know if I would consider myself an apologist. I don't, I, I think that the band doesn't require apologists. Um, but I think with every new album, there's the um, the expectation that you're going to have to spin it a few times to really get a hold of it. Um, they don't, you know, 10 and verses are in the can. That's sort of in the past. So anything new is going to require um, some real deep listening. And the band is branching out. Um, they're all taking a stab at songwriting, both musically and lyrically, um, and then in the re- latest releases. And... So you just kind of expect that you're going to have to spend some time with it and and dig deeper. And it's also really nice that they're one of the groups out there that's true to their music. And I think true to their fans as well. And they don't care. They are out there to, uh, I think the music is front and center for them. 
uh, not only as you know their what they do but you know it's it's a lifestyle thing with them i think that the way that they speak and the way they communicate i think it's their religion frankly you know it's it's all about the music in the center so when you you have to kind of listen to the album in that frame of mind to get a sense of what they're trying to say and i i think it might be if you're an artist like that um it's probably a really good time to make records and the reason i say that is because they kicked off with these um they would release these tracks kind of periodically once a week or something like that. And they would put out these things called visualizers, which if you go to YouTube and look them up, you'll go, what's the difference between a visualizer and a, and a, a video. Um, but they're kind of like these art art pieces that go along with the music. So I thought that was really cool. Um, Sturgill Simpson did the same thing recently. He put out uh, a 40 minute anime Kung Fu movie and the album that he put out went with the, the soundtrack to the, to the cart, to the anime. So, um, awesome. these people, I, I, you know, I hate, this sounds so, I just think they're, that's like next level stuff right now where we're getting a full package of art. It's not just an album, but there's visuals to go along with it. Um, they kicked off the first release they put out was called dance of the clairvoyance, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about maybe later on track by track. But the second one was really intriguing to me. It's called super blood wolf moon. Mm-hmm. And you were encouraged to go outside and point your camera from your phone at the moon. And it started an AR visualizer experience, uh, which if you're not familiar with AR, mm-hmm. it's augmented reality, where if you put it uh, on top of a picture, it activates um, a video clip. So it was about a 20 second, 30 second video clip. Um, it was animations that did weird things with the moon. The night that they released it, it was cloudy where we were. So we had to kind of <laughs> improvise. We found out that it worked with just any old picture of the moon. So we took it inside and, and got it to work. Um, I knew we were in for something when they started dropping those two tracks, plus that little AR experience. I thought this is going to be some kind of record, you know, something that's going to be, um, and it is, it is a record. I don't think that they make singles just to be released for radio play. You've got to really take the whole thing um, as an experience. And now they're adding these visual pieces, which 25 years ago, we're talking about Pearl Jam and we want a video. We can't get a video from these guys. And now they're like, we've got it all, you know? And it's like, um, you want AR experiences? Fine. You want videos? Great. So they're doing that stuff, which I think maybe just points to them maturing and opening up a little more artistically. So it's definitely a full package. Um, and I hear it as an album that they wrote, not just for the studio, but also for the live stage. So as I'm listening to these tracks, I'm thinking to myself, okay, that one's definitely supposed to go early on in their set. This one's going to be, you know, a late stick it in between even flow. Um, one of the radio hits because they, they like to pepper the, uh, the new album songs in alongside with the, with the radio tracks. If you go to a Pearl Jam show now, you're still going to hear even flow. You're still going to hear daughter. You're still going to hear black. Um, but you're also going to hear new stuff as well. And I can tell that they made an effort to write these songs for the set list. So um, the first tune I think is kind of a clue as to what they're up to. Um, whoever said it's a really good rocker um, built for live play and the chorus when he's belting out, um, whoever said it's all been said. Yeah. 
gave up on satisfaction and I, it took me like the third pass through that song and i'm like that's what they're all about you know because some people might be going pearl jam why are they making music or are they still at it you know and i'm like that track right there just kind of gives you the headspace that that eddie's in right now and i think the whole band's in too um not satisfied not that things are going wrong not in an angsty sort of way but they're still making and creating and they're still really enjoying this process so satisfaction you know as an artist sometimes can be elusive so i think they're always kind of trying to innovate and that's where this this album comes from so good little clue there's a breakdown at the end of track one where you think the song's over and it kicks back up and i'm like oh there we go there's the live element right there so really good way to start i think i i really got into super blood wolfman when they released it i was so proud when i saw my daughter sitting at the kitchen table and she was playing the video and singing <laughs> along so i feel like i'm doing something right um, clairvoyance, uh, dance of the clairvoyance provides probably the best two minutes of the entire CD. I love the groove at the end. I, I, I could listen to that like on repeat for a half an hour. I love let's, the end of that tune. Let's go back just a little bit yeah. before you, cause you're excited. You're going to rip through this whole thing. We're not going to have a chance to even talk I am, about I'm it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, 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 you're totally good. Um, and <sighs> I, I get what you're saying about the album because I, I know a lot of people make playlists and I don't, I listen to albums from beginning to end whenever mm -hmm. I do whatever I do. Um, and that's the way I like to do things. So let's just go back to uh, Tony. Do you have anything with whoever said? Not, I didn't have a bunch of notes there. I, I had more on, on the other two, super blood wolf Moon and dance. So go ahead. Yeah. I did like, um, like Joe said, you know, that, um, that line gave up on satisfaction that does kind of hit home. And I love some of the lines we talk about a lot on the show. We like how, you know, the lines kind of tickle our ear or whatever the uh, hook that you kind of remember. I don't love the, the lines home is where the broken heart is home is where every scar is. I like that. Um, yeah. I just, when Eddie writes like that, I'm totally engaged. Yeah. <laughs> and there were a couple of songs that had some lines that, that made me cringe on this one Same. that took me out of a few songs, only two songs. I mean, I, overall, I was a little hesitant when I went in, but I ended up really liking the album as a whole. Um, and I'd like this as an album. We, one other thing we talk about on the show, Joe, is the album openers. It, is it a good album opener or whatever? And this is, oh, this, this is totally, totally a good song yeah. to open the album with. Um, I liked it quite a bit. And uh, it was a repetitive chorus. But it really hit home. It was good. Yeah, I and I didn't have many notes on it other than the same thing. Kind of, it was a good opener. Um, I really liked the bridge into the second verse. I, I liked that part a lot. Uh, but having Joe explain that there, and I tend to think, okay, I get it. I've listened to it three times. I get it. But I took that was totally lost on me that they're probably talking about their own, you know, uh, vision or where they're at and with their headspace, like you said, and so. That's why I like having these conversations too. I miss having conversations about music like everybody used to back in the day, because uh, it takes something like that sometimes to like spark that thought. That, oh, okay. And so now I have a new appreciation for the song. But um, yeah, so that, that's all I really had. I'm like adding notes to it as I go. All right, let's move into uh, Super Blood Wolf Moon. For me, on that one, my my notes are short, but I liked the song. And Joe, I know you don't know me, but for me, I read it and I listened to it and I was like, I would really love to hear that slower and darker. 
it's like so it got a it's a good song but i'd like to see it like flip-flopped a little bit i understand yeah um and i don't mean necessarily darker but if you go back to like i don't want to always go back to 10 but like garden and mm. you know that kind of sound um just reading it that was it was just like a wish list type thing for me but it was a good song for sure and the augmented right augmented reality piece i feel like is very cool because uh the artwork got smaller and smaller you know between albums to cassettes and mm-hmm. cds and now really nothing except a thumbnail and so real artists find a way to still you know put that in there so that's cool what's your yeah. take on the meaning of this joe on the meaning of the song yeah what do you get out of it that's interesting because I, I i can see the dark it's it's kind of a dark um dark subject matter and to lay the lyrics over top of something so poppy you know i i can see how people would really like the song as a rocker but maybe also really pan it because maybe those things didn't didn't um match up exactly you know the line that stuck out in that for for me was at the end where it says this life i love is going way too fast um both my eyes are swollen faces broken you know it's a it's an eddie vetter searching for for meaning i i always think back um he was married to a girl named beth Mm -hmm. um from hovercraft was that her band and they were this kind of a prototypical seattle couple back in the day and you gotta understand now you know eddie's got two little girls he's married to a model um you know is the guy still searching is he still is he still thinking about that old life um we know that he's kind of uh eschewed fame and and kind of relied on his connections with guys like pete townsend and neil young and kind of went that route and found solitude because you know i think as big as he is, as big as Pearl Jam is, as big as that whole thing has gotten, <clears throat> you know, he still wants to be Eddie from West Seattle. Actually, Eddie from from no Chicago. Way, right? Yeah. <laughs> so from Evanston. Um, you know, I think Superblood Wolfman has something to do with that. I don't know who she is in this song, if she's metaphorical or if she's uh, she's she, a real person. But, you know, as far as her being taken away, I don't know. It's another... You know, Eddie searched for meaning in all of it, I think. So, uh-huh. yeah, it's a great song, and it sounds if you're just going to put something on listen, sounds great. Oh, yeah, you know what sure. I mean? Mm-hmm. If you're not digging into lyrics, it just sounds good, right? Now, speaking of sounds, when you get to dance with the clairvoyance, we've talked about this a few times, we definitely get a couple of vibes, Mr. Uh, Mr. Byrne, and oh gosh, what's the group? Uh, talking heads was it well talking heads and then um oh there was another group we I felt, like with. I felt like i had a radio head vibe really yeah definitely had talking heads the way he sang it had that kind of thing going on yeah. um i've i heard eminence front from the who i, I heard late no. 70s early 80s who in there that was just me though this was my favorite track on the album personally and it Part of that has to do with it's a great song, but part of it also has to do with, uh, and Joe, you can tell me what you think, but this is a real departure from them going off, you know, into doing something a little different. It sounded borderline electronic, and I haven't really heard that from them. <laughs> I had a, once in a while, they'll dip into some, like, electronic-flavored stuff they did on um, 
on riot act a couple of albums ago there was some stuff that showed up um it was if it was it was jeff ament and matt cameron driven mostly i think when they get into that um i was glad they came out with it first because i think it kind of gave us a hint like hey if you're looking for um if you're looking for something we're going to do something completely different they just kind of tore the cover off of it with this with this that this um this first offering i know a lot of my pj friends were we're texting back and forth about it. Like, what is this? You know, and I'm like, oh, hang in there. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, it, it's, it's an acquired taste, but I acquired it pretty quickly. Um, it had something to do with the fact too, that I, I bought a, a new car here recently and it has a, a Harman Kardon stereo system in it. Right. And it came across satellite radio a couple of times. And I, I'll be honest. It was like, this is a good one to break these speakers in on. I really like this groove. And so, yeah, that's, yeah. That was, but I think releasing it first was the right move just because it was like, get ready for something you've not heard before. So, yeah, we talked about it briefly on the show at one point, um, right after it came out, that this was definitely a departure um, from the past. And one thing I really like about this, um, clairvoyance we're talking about seeing in the future. So, there's this kind of game playing with time. Um, and he says, when the past is the present, and the future is no more. When every tomorrow is the same as before. I love that the lyrics yes. match the song title. Um, this whole thing um, with musically being out of place um, all kind of fits together in like a really neat little package. So mm-hmm. this is another song I really liked off this record. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't look at it so much as Joe did as far as which songs would be live. But I did have the thought when I heard this, like, their catalog is so big and you know steve you've been to concerts and they could play for four hours if they wanted to and not really get through all their stuff um so you're looking for those that like ebb and flow to break things up and keep the audience interested in. so i can see you know this song being played right after a song that doesn't sound anything like it just to have the crowd go crazy or have everybody engage again but yeah and they said i think i read that um Stone played bass on this one. I would not be surprised. I didn't oh, I hear looking, that, but I was looking up the lyrics, and I think I they said Stone played bass on it. I think I'm not sure. interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that takes us to is Quick Escape the next one? Yep. Yeah. But when that starts off like Zeppelin, oh There's yeah, like an interesting and riff there. Yeah. Um, uh, I I don't know the best. I can't say best vetter vocals on it, but it's up there. It's good. He's got the growl going. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Eddie's voice has changed over the years and he's doing what he can. Um, but I love the groove and I love the growl on it. Um, yeah. You just kind of get lulled along for that verse and the chorus hits you. It's like, wow, that's, it's good stuff. What yeah. do you think? That um, I really like the sound of that song. It just this is one of those that had that lazy Trump lyric, yeah. um, and I don't mind if if Eddie wants to smash Trump or any other politician, but I I, I don't remember the line off the top of my head. But it just oh <laughs> I just looked at it. I'm sorry <laughs> to yeah. find a place that Trump hadn't effed up yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's a and the in, the interesting thing is it's like an environmental song. You yeah. know, it's got, you know, but there are so many Democrats that have 
it's kind of the same thing where they don't care about the environment. They don't care about fracking because gas people are paying them money. Um, but then we come out with just a silly line, you know, trash and Trump. If he wants to take the whole idea and encompass it in politicians, he's smart enough to do it in a clever way that makes the song more timeless. <clears throat> Something that, you know, I just, sometimes I don't like it when we pinpoint on history and then it takes that, that nebulous kind of timeless quality out of a song that it makes sense at any time. Uh, yeah. And so I, I would have liked a, maybe a more clever lyric there. I, yeah, I think, go ahead, Tony. Well, uh, I had, I had kind of an epiphany when I was listening to the song. It was about that political stance. Like at first I was kind of knee jerk. <clears> like I'm sick of, I'm sick of musicians talking about politics too much and blah, blah, blah. We've had that conversation, but then I thought Pro Jam from the get go has been politically mm-hmm. protesting in some way, you know, between Jeremy and gun violence and um, covering masters of war. And then I thought, well, so why don't I like this? And I think when it does get that specific and rooted in this moment and not so timeless, it also makes me feel like I'm reading Facebook comments, you know? And so it kind of like turns me off. It's like, just, I like when it's more broad and I'm all for raging against the machine and and that kind of protest and having your opinions. And, you know, quite frankly, sometimes those opinions are way different than mine, but I love the band for taking their stand, you know? But yeah, I felt like just zeroing in on it kind of took me out of the song. But what were you going to say, Joe? Uh, I, I thought they took, a, as far as those political lyrics, I thought that um, he took a better swipe later in the album on, at seven, uh, on 7 o'clock. I thought that was the swipe that he took. and it was There uh, was another one, yeah. And it, I, I, I didn't like that one anymore. i thought i thought it was the better one of the two if i had to choose um (laughs) and i gotta say one thing about the politics of everything you know when with all the 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 righteous indignation the unrighteous indignation all of the anger uh after the 2016 election i really thought that we were going to get some really good albums from a lot of artists Uh i don't know about you guys but i don't feel like that's panned out Nope. I, mean, I thought that we were gonna we were gonna be in for like a whole new movement, and I just I don't know, and I I I didn't expect Pearl Jam to write the anti-Trump album, but these two little swipes, these two little digs they got in here, and, and maybe we're not reading deep enough into it, but I thought maybe they'd uh, take a bigger swing at him um, musically, but then again, maybe that's a maturity thing. Maybe 1995 Eddie Vedder um, goes nuts. Right. And in 2020, Eddie Vedder's a little bit more stayed, you know, so. Um, yeah. And also, I, I think back, to, they were way madder at Bush, apparently. Maybe that's just my take on things, because they really took it to him back yeah. in the day. But, and now yeah. people like Bush, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just don't know why we don't take it to all politicians, because not one of them, Democrat or Republican, has us in mind, because we're middle class <clears throat> people, right, you know, everything rides on our backs. None of us, none of them have our best hopes in mind. So yeah, I don't and, know. We need to slam them all. And to be, you know, hundred percent honest, like when I would get behind these protesting bands, you know, you know, I, I wasn't in my forties and worrying about my taxes. And, you know, there was a lot of issues that I just, you know, was just like, <laughs> okay, yeah, let's go. But it really didn't affect me. I mean, my parents are paying for where I lived. <laughs> you know, it didn't matter. So, I got a Roth to worry about now, okay? <laughs> yeah. How's my Roth doing? <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> Sorry, I, I prepared. I have a Roth. it is that is interesting though we could have a conversation about what we loved and uh when we were 25 years old as opposed to what we love at nearly 50 you know Mm. and there would be a different conversation i wanted anarchy because i was a skateboarder (laughs) that was my my government was no government at all yeah (laughs) interesting all right so that brings us to is it all right is next yes all right all right all right all right yeah, I loved a line from this song, Find a Groove in the Sound. Kind mm-hmm. of like a play on uh, uh, like vinyl and also mm-hmm. finding a groove in life. There was a connection there. I like this song a lot. Um, had a really good vibe to it. Yeah. yeah I'm just, I'm just going to say that was my second favorite. I don't have much more to add. I want to hear what Joe says about it. So. It starts <laughs> off, I'll be honest, I don't love the intro. Um, I'm, I actually was listening to it again when I was outside today, just kind of kicking around the yard. And I'm like, what were they doing with that? But again, they're not afraid to take chances. and I'm not mad at them. So um, it's a, it takes you back to no code. And I think it reminded me a lot of I'm open. Um, And I did kind of on my back to the original thought I had about listening to this album several times. Once you hear it, then you can kind of go, okay, I see where the roots of that started. That one started in no code. And all right could could have fit alongside, uh, you know, hail hail and in my tree and songs like that. I think it's a throwback to that, which I think is a really nice feature of this band, is that they they always try to look forward, but they're always rooted in what they started as, and they always they always call back to something else. So I liked all right too, um, but it had that big kind of no code feel to it to me. So I liked it too. Good tune. Yeah. Uh, seven o'clock, I believe, was next. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I love this musically. Um, it was a long song, but uh, musically, I really I dug it. Um, had a trippy uh, kind of musical breakdown. Um, his vocals were really strong throughout. It just had that good, the goofy line with "Sitting Bull" and "Crazy Horse." <laughs> then you got "Sitting Bullshit" as <laughs> our sitting president. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I. Sorry, got gotcha. you. That was cl- I thought it was a clever line, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's because you're an apologist. We just figured it oh, out. Oh, yes, yes. I, I admitted that. <laughs> I liked the song, too, and I had the same thing down. Like, uh, Ed, we keep talking about Eddie and how he sounds and how he writes and all that stuff, but you know, there's some really good guitar work on this song. And, so, and musically, I loved it, too. Um, but it, what, for me, sounded weird, and maybe I need to go back and listen to it again, but I liked the prose-style lyrics but sometimes it felt like it wasn't fitting in. Like you had to speed up. Yes. And stuff like that. You agree? I was going to ask Steve what he thought about as an English teacher. Uh, it was almost like you gave an assignment and you were like, <laughs> did you even try to count the syllables or did you just <laughs> want to say, over? and I, I like it's he, what he does here is he takes a, it's a, it's a nod to Springsteen. Uh, I think with the kind of a stream of consciousness, mm-hmm. you know, style, uh-huh. But where Springsteen would put in like a, you know, a, a saxophone solo, they do that nice little flangy, spacey guitar work in the middle, and it's a whole band effort. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. the whole band gets songwriting credit, songwriting credits on this one. So, you know, you've got that to kind of. He had something to say, and they put a groove to it, and that's what you got. But yeah, sometimes I'm with you, Tony. I'm like there is a point at which we want a little structure to the song. And, you know, we'd like it to fit over the music. So, so you're not a fish fan. 
uh, I, I like fish. I don't know if I'm a, I don't know if I'm a pH fish fan. So <laughs> you're not then. <laughs> no, I guess, I guess I'm not. No. Yeah. Uh, all right. So never destination is up next, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, that one didn't stand out for me, but it just seemed very straightforward. Just straight up rock Pearl Jam. Yeah, yep. same. I didn't. It didn't get really a high score from me, but I did like the growling on the chorus and the guitar work. I thought were, were the highlights. It's another stage tune. I think it's another live one. Um, again, calling back to like Lightning Bolt. You know, you're not going to get spin the black circle or Animal anymore, but uh, you can get tunes like uh, Life Wasted, and you get tunes like Never Destination. Get tunes like Supersonic from Backspacer. Um, that's the rocker. That's that's the rockers right now, but. Um, yeah, I think it's another one kind of built for, for the live show. You can see it slipping in there. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. We're going to have to keep track. And then next time we uh, go to see him live, see if these songs show up, see if you're right, Joe. Luckily we're <laughs> recording him. So we can keep track. Okay. So actually earlier you said you, you picked out a couple that would be at the beginning of the concert. Which one of these off of this album would come at the beginning of the show? Uh, which one's from the front half of the album here? No, just anything from this album that's going to show up on the first half of a Pearl Jam concert or early in the show. Typically, um, as I'm looking through the list here, typically they've been starting off with the song like Low Light or Long Road Release as an opener. They've been doing the slower openers. Sometimes they open with Do the Evolution. Um, and then about three or four songs in, Ed likes to say something to the crowd. And so I like you know, a lot of times they'll throw new stuff in there about slot four or five. All right. So which one shows up there? I think whoever said would be close to the top. I could see clairvoyance close to the top and I could see this never destination in the first 10 songs in the set list and maybe two or three in the first 10. It depends on the night, depends on the venue also. So let's take the long way. Mark that down. <laughs> oh, we've got it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, Take the Long Way was up next. I didn't really have anything for this. I just, uh, just... seemed like a radio-friendly good song. Yeah. yeah. Take the Long Way is a Cameron number. It's a Matt Cameron song. Hmm. Um, you're always going to get something a little different from him. I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, uh, Wellwater Conspiracy. Uh, it's kind of a Seattle supergroup that Matt Cameron was in. Um, but all their tracks are really rhythmic, um, got kind of an interesting time signature, really different stuff. And I think Ed really looks up to Matt Cameron as a songwriter. Um, so I think that he gets a spot on the album, which is not something he always used to do. I think Matt Cameron's written a lot of songs that maybe didn't end up on Pearl Jam albums, but since they have that collaborative, mm-hmm. um, style, he gets, he gets a nod in this one and, um, tank the long ways. It was a good effort, I think. He had a couple of other tunes. He had one on um, Binaural called Evacuation. Same kind mm-hmm. of stop-start rhythm to it. Um, it makes an interesting change when you've got all these kind of straightforward rockers to get one that's just a little bit off-kilter. Um, keeps your keeps your interest, I think. So Nice. I thought Buckle Up was one that was very different. It had... I, I've never used the word breezy with Pearl Jam before, but it has a really breezy sound. Um, it had this really cool guitar opening 
but then the whole I, I kept expecting it to change, but the whole thing just kept going. It was easy going and it sounded breezy, whatever that means. Yeah, what is well, the middle part? Have you guys figured out what, what were those horns? Uh, was that I a like saxophone? <laughs> I thought it was horns. Yeah, yeah. I had horns, but <laughs> yeah, I, yeah the, the horn section threw me. That's a Stone Gossard number. Uh, if you've heard Stone Gossard solo stuff uh, or Mankind, probably a little bit more mainstream from No Code. He's always kind of, he's an interesting lyricist. Um, and I know he's a rhythm guy too. And so that's, it's pretty typical Stone. I, I wish he would have done the vocals on it. I, I Hearing Ed vocal, uh, do the vocals on a Stone song is a little different. So I was listening to it right before we jumped on here and I thought, I think this would sound better with Stone, but Ed does a fine job. He's an okay singer. Yeah, yeah he's all right. He's going to make I, it. I, I think he'll go shabby. far. <laughs> I had this down as my least favorite track. And I said, uh, buckle up for a lullaby. <laughs> uh, but uh, I felt like, and see, I didn't know any of that stuff. So I, it just felt like to me, I was waiting for, and I know it's not fair to always go to the past, but I was, I thought it had the potential of something like a daughter or an elderly woman or something uh, where there may be some variation in the emotion of the lyrics. And um, it just didn't feel like I materialized like that, but it was good to hear Eddie sing. So mm-hmm. I mean, like slow down a little bit and sing. Yeah. I, I liked it. it. It took me about three listens, but I did end up liking it. Uh, Comes then goes that next. Yes. Yep. Okay. Didn't love it. <laughs> Close. I just didn't. I, it was slow yeah. and, I liked it more than Buckle Up, in my opinion. Really? That's what I had down. Was it, it was refreshing because it felt like a little bit of a redemption from the last track. Um, I'll point out, too, as we go into the, the back, uh, I don't know. Three. What, yeah, back three. I don't know. How, I was trying to figure the fraction. But um, <laughs> the, the next three songs account for about, um, a third of the time on this album. So it's like there were two songs that were near six minutes. One was over six minutes and one was just over five. So the bulk of the time of this album, which I think clocked in at 54 or 57 minutes. And this was a, a big chunk of, of, of minutes on just these three tunes alone. So mm-hmm. um, I, I thought that was interesting that they kind of grouped all these, they all, fit in the same vein. I think they all kind of run the same track. Um, Comes and goes is kind of a slow burner. I, we, um, my college band and I, we used to love to listen to that um, B-Sides album called Lost Dogs. And I mm. think Comes and Goes could show up on there alongside songs like Fatal and Down and um, kind of that acoustic um, Pearl Jam lick. I think it's a signature lick. And the mm-hmm. harmonies I thought were were nice too. So that's what made it a good tune for me. It is kind of a slow burner, but I I wondered about the time. You know, if it were three minutes, four minutes long, I might have kept my interest a little longer. But and there was a line in there about the kids are all right. We all, let's see, we all need escape from uh, human condition or something like that. Um, and the kids are all right. Am I thinking the right one? Yeah, I think so. I don't have the lyrics up, but. Yeah, it's in there. I just have to find it. But um, a nod to the Who, of course. Uh-huh. We can all use a savior from human behavior sometimes, and the kids are all right. So 
yeah it's kind of working through that but i feel like i feel like there are a lot of influences on the album that was one of them let me ask you guys this i couldn't quite pin it down so on the last song river cross was there an accordion um, I don't know. There was an odd kind of ebb and flow sound. Could have been accordion, or you know, now pretty much you can pretty much program anything into a keyboard and make it sound like that. And I know they also use keyboards, um, but I almost got the feel of an accordion. There were really cool sounds. I really like River Cross. I thought it was a nice album finisher, mm-hmm. and it had some interesting sounds. I had that um, too. You have to go back and check that out and see if that is an accordion or if I'm just. It could crazy. be, or it could be some pads because you know that's that's mm-hmm. uh, that's six against one now with Boom Gasper in the band and the keyboardist. So I think he's an official. Ah. He's been an official member for a couple of albums, but um, yeah, Kenneth Boom Gasper on the keys. So, but that's it then. But it could be an accordion. I mean, maybe Eddie was uh, cleaning out an old closet, and um, <laughs> I think they played Bugs twice live. Um, so once kind of recently <laughs> so it just popped up yeah yeah uh, but I of the so. two i think river cross is a far superior song to bugs so i'm gonna go out <laughs> on a limb there and say that uh, good limb yeah i like that <laughs> pretty that, firm that was... <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. like yeah. uh, retrograde and river cross became my third and fourth favorites on the album and i was with you steve i thought it was a really nice closer and i like to listen to albums straight through if i can and so when you do, you do kind of like that starting off, you know, with a great opener and then just kind of feeling like you, you finish the album and, you know, kind of winds you down. But I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Retrograde is um, last album, Lightning Bolt, they put out a song called Sirens, which is an absolutely, uh, it's a wonderful song. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, it like might it make my list for Tony's challenge about the memory thing. Um which is why I love it so much. But that also the video is cool. I don't know if you've seen it, but McCready plays, I think a 12 string or at least an acoustic. And then he flips it around and plays this uh, amazing solo at the end of sirens and they catch it in the video, which they didn't have to do, but he's wearing his electric on his back and he puts the acoustic down. He hands it to a stage hand and then he flips around and plays a McCready solo, which I just think is so badass and so rock and roll. So and so yeah. Mike McCready too, by the way. I mean, if the man could play two or three guitars at a time, he would. I feel like sometimes it sounds like he does. But uh, <laughs> well, you know, Getty Lee would just put two necks on a guitar and have one be a bass <laughs> and one be a guitar. So just and then play the keyboards with his feet, as not, uh, our yeah. former host Paul used to say. <laughs> but not collaborate. Hey, I'm gonna. <laughs> um. This has nothing to do with uh, Songs of the Memory. Joe, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Mm-hmm. I want you to give me your top five Pearl Jam songs. No, I hate these. I hate I them. That's why yeah. I did it to you. It's so hard. It would take... It's going okay. to take five seconds because you got to go now. Okay. Um, <laughs> top, top five. Oh, crap. Um, I'm just going to fire some off. All Those Yesterdays from Yield, Beatles-esque tune at the end of the album. Really? Um, top five? Uh, yes. Wow. I, yes. Deep um, cuts. deep cut. Um, glorified G. Yep. See if I just say them that I'm committed okay. to them. I'm going to give you one more second because my old roommate <laughs> used to say, you know, I glorified G a glorified pigeon and a pelican. <laughs> Whatever that means. I know. Uh, an immortality. 
Oh, that's a great song. Okay. Uh That's three. If you ask me in an hour, I will say three different tunes. I asked you for five. Well, well, and then I had one second. So (laughs) do I still have to pick two more? Yeah. It's so hard. It's so hard. Um, You know that I'd almost have to do it by category. I almost have to say like, give me your top five ballads. Give me your top five like arena rockers. Hey, um, hey, we're in charge of this show, Joe. It's I know like, you are, and I'm just expo- I'm rationalizing here. <laughs> oh, you're stalling. That's what that's I'm called. stalling for time, man. <laughs> uh, it's like you you miss democratic debates, don't you? So I'm not going to answer the question. Uh, <laughs> I watched him. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so is anything going to show up off? Is anything going to show up off of ten? I'll give you a ten track. Sure, um, probably. Um, just pick one and go for it. Uh, probably a live or garden or release <laughs> or no. Or, 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 yeah. It depends yeah. on your mood. I, I would say garden because of the line, uh, it's lyrics. It's, I don't question our existence. I just question our modern needs. That's yeah. why I like garden the best. So, yeah. Is that the um, one too when he says, uh, nauseously quick? Yes. And the way he does it is quick. Yes. No, it's just so quick. I can't wait to hear River Cross. Uh, just kind of a final thought on that. River Cross belongs live after Yellow Lead Butter. When you go to a Pearl Ooh. Jam show, you yeah. get a big encore. Uh-huh. You get a little encore. And sometimes, depending on the night, depending on their mood, you get a little third encore, which might be one or two songs. That's when the lights come up. And that's where you're going to get Baba O'Reilly. That's when you're going to get Indifference, followed by Rockin' in the Free World. Uh-huh. That's when you're going to get Yellow Lead Better. And I could definitely see him doing River Cross because this song is a hymn. I mean, I want to be in an arena with like 20,000 people singing that chorus. I think it's beautiful. Share the Light uh, won't hold us down. You know, he starts it in first person, singing it singularly, and then it, he makes it plural. Uh, oh man, I think that's going to be amazing. <laughs> Where do you think he would place Dirty Frank? Uh, <laughs> odd that you would bring up Dirty Frank because I was reading about uh, McCready said that that was a jam that they when they were touring with the Chili Peppers they tried to put mm-hmm. something together that sounded like them. They played it like twice and it's always fallen apart both times <laughs> they tried. It. <laughs> so good though. <laughs> it is. It is. Okay, so let's let's polish this up. We're going to give it a, a score out of five. So, Tony, what is your score out of five? Um, I actually did the math because I rated every single song, and it came out to a three for me. All right. I gave it a 3.5. Still listening. I've listened. I'll be honest with you. I've listened to it a ton. I had a tree fall in my yard, and I've been cutting that thing down and, and working on all the limbs and burning, so I've had a lot of time to listen, and I've listened to this over and over. Um, and I'm feeling like 3.5 right now could change because I am going to continue listening. And um, before Joe gives his, uh, you know, Monday, I'll be honest with you, is not a Pearl Jam fan. And he's told us that many a time. Um, and he said to me, he sent me a text um, while he was on his way to Indy today. And he said, it was much better than I was prepared for. I genuinely enjoy most of it. Um, and it's a solid three out of five. And for wow. Monday, that's a that's great high, score. That's high uh, praise. Yeah, it really is because he, I don't even think he's a huge fan of 10 or Versus or Vitalogy, which 
is the triumvirate of Pearl Jam. Wow. Let me put an asterisk on my three because I feel like talking with Joe and it was one of those things, the more I listened, the more I liked. It happens a lot with me, even with bands that I love, you know, like Tool and some Nine Inch Nails songs. Sometimes I won't even like them first. And I know you got to kind of give them that their time. So I probably had three straight three listens on this. Um, and I'll keep listening to it. So it's a three with I'll keep listening to it. And I bet that goes up to three, five. Easy. Cool. All right, Joe. That's I'm going to actually put you on the spot. I'm going to have you give me a score out of five. And then I'm going to have you place it in terms of all Pearl Jam records. Pressure. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I want that video out there. Uh, this is number 11, first of all, right? I have to do my hedging yeah, here, do my so. math real quick. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's between three and a half and four. I think it's a solid effort. I think there are a few missteps. Um, lyrically, I, you know, I think as far as weak songs go, I think the more I listen to it, the stronger those songs get and the more they gel together. So I think that it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's trending towards a four. I think it's, um, it's a solid, it's a solid effort. Now, as far as placing it in the, um, overall rankings, um, it's, it's gotta be, let's see somewhere in the eight to 10 range. Um, just because there's so much other good stuff to put out there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so and I'd have to work on the ones that were beneath it and kind of work my way up and fight um, back and forth. That's good. Yep. Just have hey, a fight. Steve. Yes. I, I came up with my top five on the fly too. And I want to say them because I want to hear what Joe says about it. <laughs> But um, also, well, here they are real quick. Footsteps mm-hmm. always will be like one of my favorites. Um, Indifference, which you guys mentioned. Um, Oceans, um, Given to Fly, and Rearview Mirror. But, Oceans is so damn good. Yeah, Oceans is so good. And here's when you said that he was married to Beth. I don't know if this is true or rumor, but they say that he's saying, oh, Beth, at the end of that. Yeah, he does okay. on the uh, Unplugged. Um, the, um, the MTV Unplugged, yeah. he sings Obeth on that. Is there I, anything better than Pearl Jam MTV Unplugged? Because I don't think Alice so. in Chains Unplugged might come close, but that's about neck and neck. I still think <sighs> Pearl Jam wins that. Yeah, it was amazing. It yeah. absolutely is. Yeah. I still yeah. get goosebumps watching live and Porch. Or I mean, uh, Black and Porch. And sure. there may not be a better song ever written than Black. True. And it is very... Uh, and that's be- become their... I, maybe most radio friendly what everybody goes to or whatever mm-hmm. but if you throw all of that out and just look at their songs that may be their strongest song ever written lyrically and beautifully and i'm going to add one thing to this are you guys ready yeah when i was uh going back and listening tonight uh, sorry i was for tonight but i was going back and i was listening to um zach wilde um and i knew he had done that thing with Corey, and i loved it it was in 2016 and so i was going back and refreshing there is a song at the that's the number one song on Book of Shadows 2, which is Zach Wilde's second uh, solo album. It's called mm-hmm. Autumn Changes. It is black. Listen to the music. <laughs> it is black. I'm telling you, it's yeah, the craziest thing ever. And it's such a good song, mm-hmm. but it's black. Um, okay. And All I right. don't think he did it intentionally. I wouldn't think he would do that. 
uh, definitely something you got to listen to. So I'm going to throw a couple of pieces of trivia your way. Um, oh, both yes. things that you guys mentioned. One, rearview mirror. Um, the very ending where it's all kind of like decaying and fading out. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know the a little trivia for you? Do you know the sound that you hear? If you listen real closely, you can hear the sound of uh, the drummer's drumsticks hitting the floor. Did you, have you heard that before? Have you ever focused no. in on that? Uh-uh. Nope. Yeah. Um, so I guess there was some, that would have been Dave Aberzies at that point, I think. Uh, the, was he fired right after that for wanting to be too commercial? They were not getting along. And I think the recording of that song kind of took its toll and he got his way through it and he threw his drumsticks down. So if you listen really closely, um, you can hear him at the floor, you know, it's drumsticks cause that, that's a pretty, um, mm-hmm. unique yeah. sound. So I love listening for that. Um, okay. So check that out. And then uh, as far as Black goes, Black is a great song because of the ending. The The rest of the song is great and it builds up, but that chorus, um, you know, oh, yeah. oh my God, that is so good. So when you go, go to YouTube and look up um, Eddie Vedder on Letterman, and uh, I won't spoil it for you, but, but Paul and um, Dave Letterman are going back and forth talking about black and they have a special guest i love that video it's it's amazing i may post that on my facebook page tonight just because that's always a good watch i'm going to check that out for sure but but eddie's appearances on letterman were always fantastic um of course letterman stepped in for um for neil young i think neil young was was that when he was he had his um he had some medical problems and so dave letterman inducted pearl jam into the rock and roll hall of fame i think Oh, okay. I think I think Pearl Jam was one of Dave's favorite acts to have on. So yeah, that's good trivia. It is a fun one. I'm gonna watch that right when we're done. Very good. Uh well, that's gonna wrap up Pearl Jam. And let's be honest, folks, we have gone past our limit this evening. So we are going to push Nine Inch Nails, Ghost Five and Six, back, possibly into a mini sode. Yep. prior to next week um on next week's show we will uh be tackling tony's challenge which is to find three songs of the memory uh hopefully metalhead monday will be back with lester bang's inspired challenge and we're going to review testament titans of creation before we head out gentlemen where can we find you if we're looking for you tea bags uh wanderings and wool gathering on facebook uh, still posting some stuff and looking for comments, suggestions, and challenges. So throw them our way. Awesome. Joe, where can we find you? Twitter at Joe Reif, J O E R I F as in Dirty Frank. I was going to say Dirty Frank, but that's not, that's, yeah. So <laughs> Joe Reif on Twitter and then Instagram, L Ray 4, E L R E Y as in the king in Espanol, numero. L Ray Four on Instagram. All right, that was and way more wordy me. than it should have been. <laughs> well, Joe, you're a mouthful, <laughs> and I am Foggy Spal. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Foggy Spal. You can also find me over at BreakTheFourth.com, writing and a sports media pass writing. Thank you to our sponsors, Blue HQ Media and Small Giant Designs. And don't forget, you can find us Wanderings and Wool Gathering at Rock 
985.com. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. Until next week and our mini-sode, we say goodnight. Bye now. Bye now.